0: ايمان الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اما بعد money that's owed to you is of three types and that's what Mashroom here begins with saying that وزكاة الدين على اقسام فانه قوي ووسط وضعيف فالقوي وهو بدل القرض ما ومال التجارة اذا قبضه وكان على مقر ولو مفلسا او على جاهد عليه بينه زكاه لما مضى ويتراخى وجوب الاداء الى ان يقبض أربعين درهما ففيها درهم لان ما دون الخمس من النصاب عفوا لا زكاة فيه وكذا فيما زاد بحسابه والوسط وهو بدل ما ليس للتجارة كثمن ثياب البذلة وعبد الخدمة ودار السكنة لا تجب الزكاة فيه لم يقبض نصابا ويعتبر لما مضى من الحول من وقت لزومه لذمة المشتري وفي صحيح الرواية والضعيف وهو بدل ما ليس بمال كالمهر والوصية وبدل الخلع والصلح عند دم العمد والدية وبدل الكتاب والسعاية لا تجب فيه الزكاه ما لم يقبض نصابا ويحول عليه الحول بعد القبض و هذا عند الإمام و اوجبا عن المقبوض من الدين الثلاثه بحسابه مطلقا So, let me explain this to you first. There are three types of money that could be receivable. Now let's think about it. Sometimes money that's owed to you is because you're running a business, you sold something and the person hasn't paid you yet. He took it on credit. Actually a more common situation would be that you, I don't like to use this word but here they use the word you loan somebody money. Is that right? You gave a loan to someone, that's better. But uh, it's like I loaned him my book. I don't like that word. Because in England we use the word loan for uh, money. When you loan somebody money, when you give somebody as a loan money. So anyway, um, let's say you gave somebody money as a loan and he has to repay you in kind, which means in the same thing. That's a Qard. In, in, in Arabic, that's called Qard. There's two different things. One is called Qard, one is called Dain. Qard, right, is literally a money loan that is going to be paid back to you in money. And Dain is any money or anything that's receivable as a, any kind of debt. Right? Whether it's because of merchandise that you sold and he has to pay you, all right, or it's um, the dowry that a husband has to pay his wife that he owes his wife, or it's the inheritor, one of the inheritors from someone who passed away, took all the money and he now owes it as a debt to the other inheritors. So this is all called dain duyun dain wahid, which is a singular. Duyun is the plural. As opposed to this, when you give money to someone to give back to you as a loan, that is called qard. All right. So that's just Qard and Dain in Arabic. Now money receivable is of three types. Number one, Qawi, strong. Number two, wasat, which means medium, all right, medium level. And number three, Baif, weak, it's a weak loan, or it's a weak, um, yeah, a weak loan, let's call it a weak loan. Now. I'm going to mention the rulings of each of these for you so we can get a better understanding of how they differ before I tell you what each one of those comprises of. The strong one, the qawi, is the one in which you have to pay zakat for all of the years that that loan is out, right? You have to give zakat for all of those years and it's necessary for you to pay that. And these three categories, the other thing to remember about this is that this is only according to Imam Abu Hanifa himself. He categorizes them in these three ways. Alright? Just remember that because Sahibain Abu Yusuf and Imam Muhammad, they don't have these three categories. They treat all of them the same. We'll talk about that later. But just remember these distinctions that we're going through. This is Imam Abu Hanifa's distribution here. So the first type is that in which zakat is necessary for every single year even though you don't have the money and it's out, it, it's, uh, it's uh, owed to you. And as soon as you get one-fifth of the nisab, which means if the nisab, if the quantum is about $150 let's say, one-fifth of that is $30. As soon as you get $30 back of that, then that has to be, uh, you have to give zakat of that amount. When you get all the money back then even if you have got it back after 10 years you have to pay for every single year before. Right? So you might as well be just paying zakat of it every year if you have the money which makes the calculation easy. Then you don't have to it's better than when you get the $10,000 that you would given as a loan out back after 10 years now you're gonna have to start calculating zakat on each uh, on that for every year. That's more difficult it's, if you have the money you should just give. The second type is the one in which zakat, there's two opinions about this one, the moderate one, the middle one, there's two opinions about this one. One makes it similar to the first one where you have to give zakat on it for every year but you only give it afterwards, alright? Once you receive the money, then you have to give zakat for every single year that the money was out. The other opinion is that no, when you actually receive the money this will be considered new money that you're receiving. So, you don't have to worry about the previous years. You can forget about that wealth until you receive it. When you receive it, then if you don't have any other wealth, then you wait for a year, you know, because now only will you become uh, a person that possesses a quantum anisad, then you wait a year for the obligation to settle, in, and then you pay zakat. But if you are, are, already have other money with you, then you'll just, whenever this comes in, you'll just add that to the other money, and then you'll go by the previous date that you had already, your existing date. You know, we spoke about the year last week, two weeks ago. So, that's, According to some of the muftis, this second opinion is stronger in regards to this second type or category. That you don't have to worry about the zakat of the previous years. It's similar to the third category in which you only pay zakat after the money comes in. It's like fresh wealth that comes in. So the third category is like the same, the ruling of the third category. The weak category, the week the weak loan, is the same as the second opinion in the second category that you don't have to worry about the previous years. you only pay zakat on the money when you actually receive it. right? If you can add it on to other money you have or you wait for a year, you treat it as fresh money that comes in. So now, what are each one of these categories? What, what, what do they comprise of? The first one is a uh, money receivable for merchandise. You sold something, somebody owes you money, they said they'll give it to you, right? That's a strong debt. That's considered a strong debt. Because you gave them merchandise, they have to give you back. That's one thing. The other thing that is part of this first category is when you give money as a loan to someone and they have to repay you. A loan, right? So that's also a strong debt. in both of these cases the person that owes you should not be rejecting that he owes it to you should not be... Ref- one is about refusal, the other is about rejection he shouldn't be saying that no I don't owe you anything, he's rejecting that he owes, that should not be the case, he should be confessing that yes he owes you even though he's poor right, then it's considered a strong debt unless of course If he rejects, but you have evidence, you have proof that he owes you, that the transaction took place, that he took this merchandise, you have the sales tip, whatever. Although there's a bit of difference about this as well because uh, some of the scholars say that, for example, Imam Muhammad, he says that even though you have evidence against him, it's not necessary that the Qadi is going to take your evidence because he might have something that breaks your evidence. So you may think you have a strong evidence, right? Even though he's rejecting. He's uh, denying that he owes you. You have evidence, but how do you know your evidence is going to work in court? So, uh, it's a bit, um, what do you call it, unclear here um, of whether you should take that or not. But, you know, you can go, um, uh, basically, with the view that's mentioned here, that if you have that, then it's considered a strong loan, then you should be paying zakat for it. So he says that that's basically what he says that فَالْقَوِيُّهُوَأَبَدَلُ الْقَرَضَ that قَوِيِّ is uh, uh, قوي is that which is the the repayment of a loan وَمَالُ إِذَا قَبَضَهُ and um, a debt or the wealth that comes from business if the person has already taken the merchandise if it was just the deal that you struck but the merchandise wasn't taken. You owe him the merchandise, he owes you the money. That's not considered a strong debt. He has to have taken the merchandise for that debt to become strong. Wakana ala مُكِرِّنَ And the person who uh, is res- uh, responsible to pay that is also confessing that he, he does have to pay you. وَلَوْ مُفَلَّسَ Even though he's bankrupt. مُفَلَّس This is different from مُفْلِس. Muflis is just someone who doesn't have the money. Mufallas is someone who the judge or the court has de- declared as bankrupt. Mufallas. Or ala Jahidin, or the person who has to pay you is denying that he owes you, but alayhi but you have evidence against him. Then you will pay the Zakat of all the previous years for this kind of a debt. However, although it becomes necessary every year, that Zakat becomes necessary for you every year in your responsibility right, in your dhimma. However, you don't actually have to pay. There's two things. One is called naqsul wujub. one is called wujubul all Alright? One is the actual obligation, the other is the obligation to pay. To, to actually, uh, what do you call, to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Let's put it this way. On such a person, The money that's owed to him every year, he is obligated. The obligation is coming on to him, right? He is obligated every year that he does all this much. But is he obligated to pay it immediately? So there's two things, one is that he's obligated, but is he obligated to pay it immediately as well, or can he wait? So they said he can wait. But I told you it's probably better to pay it every year so you don't have a problem in calculation. وَيَتَرَاهَا إِلَىٰ إِنْ أَرْبَعِينَ دِرْهَمًا He can wait to, uh, however, the obligation to dispense the payment, dispense the obligation, um, can be prolonged until he at least is able to receive 40 dirhams. 40 dirhams from 200 dirhams. 200 dirham is the nisab for silver, is the quantum for silver, about hundred and forty dollars. So once you get one-fifth of that, forty dollars from two hundred is one-fifth, right? So once you get one-fifth of hundred and forty dirhams, whatever it is, then you have to give one dirham, which is the one-fortieth. So basically, uh, when you receive uh, one-fifth of uh, about hundred and forty dollars, when you receive about, let's say, how much? Uh, twenty five to thirty dollars then you have to then it becomes necessary for you to pay the zakat of it but until you don't receive that much although you have to pay zakat eventually but you don't have to pay it immediately. Right? You, you understand that now? Do you understand? Okay. Yeah because this sometimes can be confusing. Then there's a difference of opinion that if you receive more than the one-fifth and that small amount like let's say you receive fifty dollars now, that's not exactly $60, right? Which is the second fifth. So, uh, there's two opinions. One is that you only have to pay for the first fifth until you actually get the second fifth. Right? The other say, no, no, no. You give proportionately to however much you receive. And that's probably the better uh, opinion out of those two. Okay. That's the end of that. Well, what's up? The, the, the second one, which has the two opinions of when, of Hamad zakat, whether the zakat becomes obligatory for you for every single year that the debt is out, or whether you, have to own, whether you only have to pay uh, once you receive it and it's like fresh wealth. The second opinion was stronger. What he's saying about that, that is such wealth, بدلوا ما ليسا لتجارة You sold something, but it wasn't a business, like a garage sale. Right? Or you had something lying around in your house and somebody wanted and you sold it to him. You don't do a business in that. Right? You don't run a business with those things but you just sold it off. Old clothing, he actually says, كَثَمَنِ ثِيَابِ Bidla, Which is old clothing, worn clothing that you sold. وَعَبْدِ khidma, Or some um, slave in those days that you had who was serving you, then you sold him off because you didn't need him or a house that you were using and then you sold it off. So this is not business, this is just something that uh, that comes by once in a while. Now in this case, zakat does not become necessary until you do not actually receive the nisab. Right? Until you do not actually get back the amount that's owed to you. Okay? Because this is not as strong as the first one. This is you sold to someone. Now in here, in a business, a person will be more organized in making sure he gets his receivables. Now when a person is just setting off something once in a year or once in five years then you know he's not as strong behind it, he's not as forceful behind it, you know if someone pays him if someone doesn't pay him unless you know he's a businessman at the core even though he doesn't do business and he'll make sure he gets his money or he's bakheel or whatever. So a person is not that strong in that regard so that's the... can you see the difference in those two things? And then he's saying that when you do eventually receive the money, he's mentioning the first opinion, the first opinion here, that when you do receive all of the money, then you have to pay for all of the previous years as well. You'll take into consideration the whole year from the time that it was actually became necessary for the person who purchased it the time the debt became necessary on the person who purchased it from you that's w- uh, the time from when you'll consider your year if it's as much as a nisab, if it's as much as a quantum وَفِي صَحِيْهِ الْرِوَايَةِ الريوا- uh, so he considers this opinion to be more sahi. the other opinion is that no you're not going to pay zakat on the previous years even after you receive it but you'll only you'll treat this wealth as fresh wealth that came in afterwards. Okay. The other opinion is from Ibn Sama'a, who relates it from Imam Abu So it's Imam Abu Hanifa is another opinion Imam Abu Hanifa related to Ibn Sama'a. Anyway. Now the last one, the Daif Dain, which you don't really have to like worry about paying zakat for until you actually receive it according to all opinions, is Badalu مَا Sabiman, It's normally payment for something that was not uh, for a sale of a merchandise or something of that nature. It normally is a payment for something that was not wealth. For example, dowry. Now, dowry is paid um, because of the intimacy uh, enjoyed by the husband with the wife. That's, it's not for wealth. It's not for a merchandise that you sold to the wife. So, dowry, for instance. Another is wasiya. The deceased person made a bequest before he passed away that such and such a person, who is not one of his inheritors, should get five thousand dollars. And uh, he left enough wealth that the five thousand uh, that that one third of that wealth was more than five thousand dollars. Because when you make a bequest, it can only be dispensed from one third of the person's uh, wealth. The two thirds are for sure uh, the uh, what do you call it uh, for the inheritors? So if I make an, in, if I make a bequest before I pass away that ten thousand dollars should be given to the masjid or to such and such a person or organization, my inheritors are only obligated to give that amount if that amount constitutes as much as or less than one third of my entire wealth, because the two thirds of my wealth cannot be touched by anybody. Right? Except, obviously, in the and duff and in the uh, what do you call it, in the shouting and everything. After that, two-thirds cannot be touched by anybody except the inheritors. Also, obviously, another exception is if I owe debts to people. All right. So, a bequest can only be made good out of one-third of a person's wealth. So, let's say I made a bequest of ten-thousand, but I left fifteen-thousand. So, th- uh, fifteen-thousand after my debts were paid off and after my um, what you call it, shrouding and everything took place, 15,000 is left. Now, only 5,000 will be given. right? Because 10,000 cannot be given, it will be going into the other people's share. So, let's say I made that bequest, the inheritors have the money, but they haven't given it to me yet. Now, I didn't give him anything to get this money back. uh, Sorry, the one who it was bequested for didn't really give anything or sell anything. So, it's money you're getting not in lieu of anything that you sold. So, that's that. وَبَدَلِ khula If a husband, if a wife says to a husband that, you know, I'll give you so much money, this is what khula is, right? I'll give you so much money, or I'll forgive you the dowry that you owe me. Give me a divorce. I'll buy my divorce of you, basically. So now because what she has to pay, the debt now that she has to pay to him, if he gave the divorce, was not in lieu of some merchandise. So now let's say the woman said she's going to pay, he went had gave, uh, gave her divorce, and then he's waiting for five years and she doesn't pay him. Right? Does he have to pay zakat under five years? Because, let's say she promised him $5,000 and he's still waiting for it. He doesn't have to pay until he actually receives that 5000 and then he either adds it on to his existing wealth and if that adds up to an isab, then he pays. Otherwise, uh, he'll take another year before he has to pay. Because it's a, it's a ba'if day. Likewise with the bequest that the person eventually received or the dowry that the wife eventually got. So now the other question that comes up here that we should take care of right now is let's say, you know, in Indian Pakistanis, they don't have this tradition of mahal mu'ajjal and mu'ajjal. They don't have an advanced and a uh, deferred dowry. But in many of the Arab countries they have that, for good reasons as well. They say $10,000 up front and uh, $50,000 in the event of, uh, the, well they don't say in the event or anything, they just say Mu'ajjal which means Mu'akhar or Mu'ajjal, right? Uh, actually the word in Arabic is Mu'ajjal and Mu'ajjal, if it's with the Ain it means right now, right? Uh, straight away and Mu'ajjal it means bit uh, ta'jeel which means afterwards. Uh, or mu'akhar. that's what they say they call it mu'akhar. which means that if there's a death or for example if he divorces her or something of that nature then they want that money which is probably to look after her unless the wife forgives she can forgive the amount then he's set free but her family will probably will not leave him alone if if he did divorce her afterwards so anyway let's say a person has to pay those two types of uh, mahr, the advanced and the deferred. Can, are they zak, uh, can he deduct that from his zakat that he has to pay? Right? Is that a debt that he can deduct from the amount of wealth that he has? Let's say he has $50,000, but he owes his wife $50,000. But everybody knows he's not going to pay that money to her unless he divorces her and she doesn't forgive him or whatever the case is. There's four opinions about what kind of debts you can defer. The superior opinion is that it, all of this is deductible. Technically speaking, it is deductible. But, I would say that if you know that I'll never pay this money, right, you don't have any intention of paying this money and the wife forgives you, for instance, then it's not a debt anyway. But let's say, you know, you have a, mashallah, happy life and everything with your wife, right, and uh, you know that, inshallah, it'll never come that I have to give her $50,000. After you die, that's a whole different story, right? But uh, you should pay zakat. You should not deduct that kind of money. Because, I mean, if uh, those who have gotten themselves into this kind of 15 and 20 and 30 and 50,000, 100,000 deferred dowries, I don't know if zakat will ever become necessary on them. You know what I'm saying? So it's better not to, because that's another opinion that on deferred debts, they are not deductible. Now while on that subject w- what you might wanna do and I'll get people criticizing me for this, is that you should get the wife one day and you know, just speak to her and say, you know, come on, you know, just forget about it. <laughs> and she says, Okay, sorry, yeah yeah. yeah. She's not gonna say no. You know, just forget about it. Or or come down to some more decent sum. You know. Not not to trick her, it's just for the sake of the obligation, you know, and if she forgives, it's forgiven, because it's it's hers at the end of the day, and you know, but but don't abuse her by getting her into a position saying, you know, can you forgive me? And she's like, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have to. Um, so that's another one. Wa badil khula wa Now these are just other th- other things. Like for example, somebody killed someone, and instead of Having him killed in retribution, they said, give us money instead. Pay us uh, blood money. So now that blood money is also a debt of this third category. Until you don't receive it, you don't have to pay zakat, the, the recipients. Waddiyya, which is uh, in other kinds of wounds and other things where the person has to pay money. or al-kitab, These are to do with, uh, with slaves. وَلَا تَجِبُ فِيهِ الزَّكَاةِ مَا نِصَابًا In all of these cases, zakat is not necessary on the receivable until you actually receive a quantum of it. So if you just receive $50 from it, you don't have to pay anything. Obviously, you add that to the wealth you already have, but until you don't get a nisab, وَيُحَوَلْ عَلَيْهِ الْحَوْلِ وَيَحُولَ عَلَيْهِ الْحَوْلِ And a year passes on it, بَعْضَ وَهَذَا عندَ All of this categorization, this whole tafsil is according to Imam Abu Hanifa. The Sahib have it very easy. They say, وَأَوْجَبَا عَنِ الْمَقْبُودِ مِنَ الْدُّيُونِ بِحِسَابِهِ مُطْلَقًا They said, we're not worried about this cowing and da'if and strong and weak. Whatever debts you have out there, whenever you receive, whatever you receive of it, you have to give zakat on that amount, proportionally. Right? In our case, when you already have money, whatever debts you're getting, you just add that to your money anyway. Okay? But Imam Abu Hanifa's opinion is more superior. So, if there are debts that are out there, which, for example, are daif, are the weak debts, then you don't have to worry about them until you actually get the money. But it's very similar to the opinions about Abu Yusuf and Imam Muhammad. It doesn't really differ that much in practicality at the end of it, right? Except in some cases. Right. Right. Uh, And you just pay proportionately. Now, there's one last type of wealth. I think it's just uh, on that amount, I'll check on the, uh, on the retrospectively, I'll, I'll check on that. One more point here is that there are certain types of wealth that you have, you possessed, but you have no access to, you've lost, you buried it somewhere, you gave it to someone and you forgot who you gave it to, SubhanAllah, right? Or something of that nature. You put it in some bank vault somewhere and you forgot which bank it was. You lost your keys and everything. That's called malab in Arabic. Malab-Dimar, this is like lost. The lost nation. Right, this is the lost wealth. La tajibu al In this case, forget about it until you receive it there's no zakat on the previous years even you know it's your own wealth in this case it's it's strong money technically speaking no actually practically speaking it's actually strong it's your money it's not a debt or anything it's money that you had but you lost it this is wealth for example somebody stole from you or not necessarily stole from you but somebody usurped from you forcefully took from you and you're trying to get it back through court cases or through intermediaries and arbitration or anything, but you don't know if you're going to get it back. You don't necessarily have a strong case, let's say. right? Or somebody took it and you you just don't know. I mean, this is actually somebody took it and you don't have a strong case, meaning you don't have any strong evidence to get it back. Or it was washed away in the river. It might bring it back to you one day right? if you're lucky but it's gone for now. Or you buried it somewhere in your garden. Like for example, once Abu Abu Hanifa, somebody came to him and said that, you know, I've lost some wealth. I put it somewhere and I buried it by a tree in my, uh, you know, field outside my house and I just can't remember where it is. So he said, why do you come to me for? I'm a faqih, I'm a jurist. What has this got to do with me? You know, go to somebody else who understands this kind of thing. He said, no, 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 you need to help me. You're the only one who can help me. So he said, okay, fine. Let me give you an answer. Go and read 100 rakats of nafil prayer hundred raka'ats of optional prayer and you'll find it inshallah so he came back very soon afterwards in in the night and he said I found it, I found it, he said how did you find it um, he was really excited, he said I started my first raka'at and immediately I remembered so I broke my salat and I went and found it, Imam Abu Hanifa said that's the wrong thing you did shaitan wanted you not to make the hundred raka'ats of prayer, he reminded you, now you should have been clever enough to break his back now by finishing off the hundred after you know uh, you being reminded and thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or it's a very large house and you know people are known to put money under carpets and behind wardrobes and behind uh, in walls and you know in fittings and I don't know what else right so you just forgot about it you just don't know where you put it if you ever come back with that money, for example there was one person in England, we actually knew this person, he used to do this kind of a thing, he used to put money everywhere. Right? But Mashallah he used to be very generous, he used to pay zakat on time and everything. And there was a fire in his store, practically burnt much of the stuff, but subhanAllah money was coming out from different places that he had forgotten about, subhanAllah. So. Know, he put it in between uh, when the before uh, one of the places that he put in in between the walls before putting the door uh, frame on. That was one place that he'd put it. Though I don't put things there, so I'm not giving you exa- ideas about my house. But I'm just saying. Oh, وقد مسيا مكانه مصادرةً. Somebody uh, took it from him um, oppressingly in Or it's given to someone to look after and you've forgotten who it was. And that person's not going to speak either. Right? He's waiting for you to come to him. Hoping that you, 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 you've forgotten. Uh, okay, that's something else. So anyway, this is the third type. So that's the three types of Dain. Now the next part in here, We did this last time and I mentioned how if you if somebody owes you some money, you can't consider that to be a zakat and say, forget about it. But I told you how it can be turned into zakat where you give the person a loan of the amount of zakat and then you turn and pay back your debt. Or uh, or the other way around. Also the next part here is that you don't have to give money or gold or silver for zakat you can actually give anything as long as you make the person who is eligible to get the zakat as long as you make him the possessor of it and he's happy and he accepts it he doesn't accept it you can't force it on him either right so for example you can give a book you can give clothing you can make a house buy a house and then give that to a faqir right you can give medicine to a poor person you can pay the school fees of a poor student, so it doesn't have to be always through money. It could be a gift. You can give him a certificate uh, that you purchase a gift store certificate or whatever, or whatever. So anything. If you do give gold or silver when you're paying for gold and silver, what what is the day, uh, what is the value, which day's value do you consider for the gold and silver? Let's say a woman has jewelry and she has paid zakat on that. Does she pull out her old receipts and find out how much it was valued on the day she purchased it? Or is it the day that the year was completed and zakat became necessary on her? Or is it the day that she's actually paying zakat maybe a month later? So, uh, it's on the day that the zakat becomes necessary that the you have to you know get on your online and you know check the value on that day and uh, you pay according to that if you have gold or silver but you have only half the amount of gold half the quantum of gold and you have half the quantum of silver now what you would do is if you look at each one independently you don't have to pay zakat but you should actually put them together and if it comes to the quantum of any one of them you have to pay zakat nowadays you just put all your money together and you see if it comes to about hundred and fifty or forty dollars you have to pay zakat because that's the quantum of silver if you don't have any money you don't have any possession that you know that you add up as a, to a quantum and then you purchase something which is worth about $100, which is less than the quantum. You purchased this for selling. So it's a merchandise. It's merchandise. Normally, zakat is wajib on merchandise if it reaches an isad. Now when you purchased it, the value of it was $100. However, by the end of the year, it became $150. So it became more the value of it. You don't have to pay zakat now. Because uh, your year hadn't begun when you purchased it because it was less than a quantum value at that time. Now just remind me to mention to you the exact amount of grams of gold that constitute the nisab for gold and the exact amount of grams for silver. I'll mention that to you later, but that's what he's looking at now as nisab al-dhahabi ishroonamithqalan. وَنِصَابُ الْفِدَّةِ مِئَةَ دِرْهَمٍ مِنَ الدَّرَاهِمِ الَّتِي كُلُّ عَشْرَةٍ مِنْهَا وَزْنُ سَبْعَةِ مَثَاقِيلٍ So basically gold equivalent to 20 dinars, 20 mithqal. And silver equivalent to 20 dirhams, uh, 200 dirhams uh, of this particular kind. That every 10 of those... Dirhams are worth seven mithqals. No, the, not worth, but the, the, the wazan, the, the weight of it. I mean, the, the, the value is going to be way different. The value of ten dirhams is going to be way different from seven dinars. Because seven dinars is, is, is a lot of money. So it's the weight that they're looking at. if you have gold or silver but it's not pure right? so now let's look at the different uh, possibilities here if it's 50-50 then although there's one opinion which says that don't consider that to be gold or silver you don't have to give zakat but others say no it's better to give uh, consider that to be gold but it's, if it's over fifty percent gold or silver then the entire amount will be considered to be gold so you know normally gold Normally gold is not 100% pure because it's too soft to make anything with. Too soft it will just deform very quickly and the the design will be spoiled. So they add some other material to it. And then you know nowadays here what we have is definitely not pure gold because it's 12 carats and 16 carats, 18 carats. So if it's more than 50% you have to consider the whole thing to be gold and weigh the whole thing together. If it's less than 50% then you only evaluate the amount of gold in there. Okay? So that's uh, the other thing that is necessary to look at here. I think 18 carats is more than 50%. But I think 12 carats is less. I'm not exactly sure, but we can uh, try to find that out. The value of 24 carats is more expensive than 18 carats. Yeah. 24, no, 24 is, 24 is pure. Right, but if you weigh them,
1: yeah, because of the extra so amount.
0: Right, but that's fine. Um, that's if you're giving in gold, okay. right? Otherwise, the value of uh, it, it's going to work out at the end because to, if you have, uh, let's say, one gram of 24 karat gold, the value of that is going to be different from one gram of 18 karat gold. So you look at the value when you're paying. Unless you're going to give a piece of the gold, then still it's the same thing. You should give a piece of the same type. Of the same type. In the Hanafi school, there is no zakat on pearls and corals and rubies and precious stones. Because of the hadith, La zakata fi hajar. You know, there's no zakat on stones. So diamond, even though it's more expensive than gold, or silver there's no zakat on there so if you want an asset which is uh, basically not non-zakatable right then don't carry gold invest in diamonds for trade. unless you're purchasing it for trade anything anything all of this even socks there's no zakat on socks right unless you're buying it to buy and sell then you have to pay zakat on there so much uh, m- once it comes into merchandise and the value of it uh, added with everything else comes to a Nisab, a quantum, then you have to pay zakat on that. That's why it says, Illa أَنْ يَتَمَلَّكَهَا بِنِيَةِ الْعُرُودِ وَلَوْ تَمَّ الْحَوْلَ Fa مَكِينٍ أَوْ مَوْزُونٍ فَغَلَى Adda وَرَخُصَ فَأَدَّى مِنْ عَيْنِهِ عُشْرِهِ أَجْزَأْهُ وَإِنْ أَدَّى Now you're saying that if it's anything else like you're dealing in um, wheat or barley or something of that nature, right? Now it depends, uh, if you're gonna look at the value, then you have to look at the value on the day that the zakat becomes necessary on you and then you pay uh, the cash on that. But if you're gonna pay by the amount, then you just pay by the amount that you have to pay. If a person ends the year, zakat is necessary on him and then he loses his wealth. It was either stolen or it disappeared or it was destroyed, burnt, whatever. Now his zakat becomes uh, forgiven for him. Unless he led, uh, unless it was him that caused it to be uh, uh, to, to, to be destroyed or to be, uh, what do you call it, um, burnt or whatever it was. Then he has to pay zakat from some other wealth when he gets it. It becomes necessary for him. And likewise, وَحَلَاكُ his if some of your money is lost afterwards like in your shares or whatever in your stocks then that proportionately that much zakat can become forgiven as well you can't take zakat from somebody by force because they have to have an intention that it be zakat otherwise it's not zakat so you can't force somebody to pay zakat i think in an Islamic government, there's two types of wealth. One is Amwal Zahira and Amwal batina Amwal Zahira is the apparent wealth, like goats and cows, and a person is doing business with them when he has them. The zakat necessary in them in a special way as well. That can be taken by the zakat collector of the country. But Amwal batina like money and that, gold, silver, that cannot be taken. The person has to give that himself. And the healer that he talks about, we spoke about that last last week, last time, uh, about giving the money away before it becomes necessary and obligatory, right? But it's makru to do that. So now let me go through some of the other aspects which are not mentioned here. Um, zakat on business. I already mentioned about the fittings and uh, permanent. Sorry, what do you call them? Machinery. Uh, machinery and what do you call them the permanent assets, No. Chips. Overheads. Okay, there's something else. You um. were saying not the flour, but the yeah, yeah. But there's a word for that. The fixed assets, right? One is the fixed assets, and one is the the other things, current. or the current assets, right? The inventory. However, let's say there's two partners in a business. Now we're going to, you know, look at different issues here. Let's say there's two partners in a business. How are you going to pay zakat on that business? Do you consider the uh, the business as a separate entity? Even though technically you may consider if it's a corporation or incorporation, but how would you pay zakat on that? So, let's say that they I mean, right now $150 is a joke. Right? It's not who's a millionaire anymore. it's who's a billionaire now. That, that's, that's the categorization now. So, really this just might sound just very strange, but let's say you made a profit of $140. That's your profit at the end of the year. I mean, that's possible. You just spent, mashallah, so much money or whatever you bought computers, and I guess in the first year you won't make much money because uh, although you've made the money, you've spent it and put it back in the business, so that's fine. Let's say the profit is $140. That, let's say, was a quantum, you should be paying zakat, but there's two partners. You don't have to pay zakat, because you have to distribute it per head first. Right? So you will distribute the $140 between the two partners, that's $70 each, then they will take that $70, and attach it to any other wealth that they have, and then if it reaches 140 or more dollars, whatever the quantum is, then they pay zakat, otherwise they don't. Likewise the other person. Make sense? So if a person didn't have any money except the $70 that's coming on that day, then he doesn't have to pay zakat. So a business doesn't have to pay its own zakat. It goes by the people that own it, shareholders. Can you give zakat to hospitals or schools or institutions of that nature? You can't give it to them. You can't build a hospital. You can't build a masjid. You can't build a madrasa. Right? Even if poor are gonna, only poor students are going to be studying in there. Why? Because you're not really making anybody the owner of that, the possessor. Because even if it's a hospital, people are just going to come and use it. Even if it's a mother of people are going to just come and stay there. It's not there. They can't take a chunk away. Right? And in zakat, remember, in the beginning, the definition, it says, tamleeku malin. tamleeku marin. Which is, to make somebody the malik, the possessor of it. So in this case, none, none of that is happening. However, you could use the hospital as your agent to, to disperse your zakat. By giving them a load, shipment of medicine. Or the madrasa by giving them a shipment of pencils and pens and books or, or, or whatever. And saying when you get the poor students or poor patients, you give it to them. So now when it's given to them, that's when your zakat is going to be considered as having been fulfilled. If that stock becomes destroyed before that happened, your zakat is not fulfilled, you'll have to give it again because he's your agent, not their agent. All right? So you have to make somebody the possessor. So you can give it to uh, hospitals, but only as an agent. And then they have to give it only to the poor patients. Or you can go and give to the poor patient yourself. You can likewise pay for their medicine to the doctor. You can pay for their treatment. Similarly speaking, a person dies, has no money. Can you give zakat money to pay for his shroud? What do you think? based on the basics that we've learnt. You can't because he's died, he's dead, he can't become possessor. Right, whatever he even had goes to his inheritors. You can give it to a poor inheritor and then tell him to buy it. But that's tamliq, that's uh, you know, the neutralization and then the continuation. That's a different issue altogether. That's laundering. Halal laundering. okay. Now, one, one note on that though. I we mentioned last week that you can give it to a poor person and then it becomes neutralized. I think we'll use that word. It's a more positive sounding word than laundered. Okay? And then he gives it over to somebody else. Now, he has to, for that money to be halal for a non-deserving person taken from the poor person, he has to actually give it to him. Which means, let's say, a poor person was given some zakat uh, food as zakat. If he invites you to come and eat with him, you can't eat with him. Because he's not giving you the food, he's just making it permissible for you to eat with him. He's just sharing with you. He has to actually say, okay, this is yours. Right? He has to give it to you. Then you can put it all back together again and eat it. So, for it to become neutralized, he has to... Take it out of his possession. Then it becomes neutralized, completely. But if he just shares with you, or he lets you use it, that's not permissible. Likewise, if you just get, uh, if you just make big um, amounts of food and you just tell the poor people to come and eat as much as they want, even if you allow them to eat as much as they want, your zakat would not be discharged because you haven't made them the possessor. But if you give them amounts that you pack and say, here, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours, then that's stiff, and then they become possessive, they can do what they like with it. Right. There's no zakat necessary on haram wealth. If you won a lottery, somebody won a lottery, he doesn't have to pay zakat on there, but he has to basically dispose of that whole wealth without giving, uh, without intention of reward. So that's a whole different thing. Likewise, if you've received a large amounts of interest in your bank account, when you're paying zakat, you minus that amount. You shouldn't have that amount and you should take it and you know dispose of it uh, by giving it to the poor without intention of reward, but that's not zakatable. Okay? Likewise, going back to an issue that we talked about last time, if you're in debt, you have a loan with the bank. Remember we said that although technically speaking it's all deductible, your $200,000 debt with the bank is deductible from the amount of money that you'll pay from your savings. And normally your savings will be much less than what you owe, otherwise you'd be paying off. So you wouldn't have to pay zakat, but I said that that's technically speaking that's the case, but because of our lifestyles nowadays we should pay zakat and we shouldn't worry about these debts that we have to pay off afterwards and we shouldn't deduct them. Even technically speaking, if we look at the technical scenario where you d- it is deductible, only that amount is deductible that is the capital that you have borrowed and that you, that you owe back. So let's say you borrowed $200,000. No, make it easy. Let's say you borrowed $100,000. Obviously, by the end of the time that you pay back, you're going to end up paying what? 150, dollars 170000 with You know, including the interest. And the way the banks look at it, I think, is that they, whatever, the, the first 70000 or proportionally, whatever it is, they consider interest and your capital comes at the end. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I think. Now, they can think what they like the way we have to look at it is that the first amount of money that we're giving has to go to your capital. So a person who has a hundred thousand dollar debt who's got himself into into such a situation, he's gonna end up paying 170 let's say, the first hundred thousand he has paid or he pays, that's gonna be considered his capital that he's paying. Then the seventy thousand after the hundred thousand whatever he pays is gonna be considered the interest. So up to the first hundred thousand, that's deductible from zakat, not beyond that. So if he's only paid fifty thousand off, he still owes another fifty plus the interest which is seventy or whatever eventually, he'll only deduct now fifty thousand although he actually owes the bank more than a hundred. Is that understood? So that's uh, about zakat being deductible or not. The next section here is Bab al-Masraf, which is the recipients of zakat. We already covered those last last session. So, um, I can just quickly, uh, you know, read it through just to refresh our memories and then we'll go on to, there's a lot of other aspects that we need to take care of. So, huwa al one is the faqir, wa ma yamliku ma la saban, Fakir is basically someone who has some amount of wealth but not enough that it's uh, quantum. وَلَا قِيمَتَهُ مِنْ أَيِّ مَالٍ كان Neither does he have the value of a quantum from any wealth. وَلَوْ, صحيح ولو صحيح مُكْتَسِبًا Even though he is a person who can earn, you know, he has an ability to earn, doesn't matter. As long as he doesn't have that amount of wealth, he is considered a recipient. man la And miskin is the one who doesn't have anything, a complete pauper. I told you that for the Shafis, it's the opposite. They say no, Fakir is the one who doesn't have anything, and Miskin is the one who has a bit of stuff, right? Well, Mukatab, well, Madiun. Mukatab is basically a slave. In days they were slaves, who the master has said, go out and work, earn this much money, and pay it to me. So earn your value, your price. And paid to me, so he becomes kind of semi-detached, and since he needs the money because uh, to pay himself off, he is in he, he is uh, he can be given zakat. the person in debt, whose debts are more than his assets, basically speaking, all right, and in the path of Allah. Now he. In uh, Allama explains, being in the path of Allah as Wal ghazat or al-Haj, person who's going on hajj, a person who's uh, uh, part of the fighting force, and they need money, they're poor, they're, they're cut away from their family, or from a source of income, then they can be given wealth. And likewise, in this case, you can call the people who are studying the deen as well. وَإِبْنُ Sabil, The son of the way or whatever you want to say, woman, who He's the one who has wealth at home but he has no access to it. He's lost all his cards, communication, everything and he needs money. He doesn't have any wealth. Well Amil Aleha, the one who is deputed by the Khilafah or the system to collect zakat. This can only be done through an Islamic system. This cannot be done through individual organizations or NGOs as such. It has to be done through a Muslim government, right? Even if the Muslim Hukuma is not completely, uh, what do you call it, uh, as long as, even, even if they're not applying every single law, right? But I mean, you know, you can tell the proportion. The ulama have to decide that. That how much are they applying or not? Are they just being lax in some ways? Or are, just, are they just not applying it? Are they just calling themselves a Muslim Hukuma of Pakistan, right? And they're not really applying anything. What do they mean about that? يا، عليها قدر ما يسعه وأعوانه. He'll only be given the amount that he actually needs. Okay. إلى كل الأصناف. For the person paying the zakat, he can give to any one of these recipients. In the Shafi school, the original method, the original opinion I believe is that you have to give to each one of these. You have to distribute your zakat to each one of these eight categories. If you notice, there's some that he hasn't mentioned here, like the Mu'allafatul Kulub, because that, according to some scholars, have been abrogated. So he's just mentioning those that you can give it to. al He can just give it to one, even though the others are present there. He doesn't have to split his wealth up and give a bit to everybody. In fact, it says that, uh, you know, that the question is that, is it better to split your money of zakat that you need to pay into small amounts, like five dollars each, and give that to fifteen different uh, poor people, or is it good to give one person a hundred dollars? So they said it's better to give more to one person, as long as it doesn't make him a wealthy person, in terms of the sharia. Right? Which means, as long as it doesn't, we'll come to that later on, as long as it doesn't give him a nisab. Even after, uh, after him paying off all his wealth, uh, all, all of his debt. Right? Because that's more of generosity, than giving five dollars to everybody. It's not permissible to give zakat to non-Muslims. It won't be uh, discharged if you do so. You can give sadaqatul fitr The Eid, you know on Eid in Ramadan you give sadaqatul uh, fitr That can be given to non-Muslims. You can give voluntary charity. You'll be rewarded for even giving poor non-Muslims charity as well. But zakat cannot be discharged because this is an ibadah. This is a, for one thing this is a worship. So you can't be discharged by giving it to non-Muslims. And number two, Prophet ﷺ said that it should be taken from the poor, from the rich of a tribe, given to the poor, uh, with the, uh, but obviously that the underlying factor there is that they have to be Muslim. So it has to be returned back into that. It can't be given to a person who owns a quantum himself, obviously, because he's considered wealthy in the eyes of the Sharia. As long as that quantum he has is not covered by any debt, right? As long as it's free of debt. Uh, you can't you can give it to the child of a poor person but you can't give it to a child of a rich person even though the child doesn't own anything but because he's in under the care of his father or his mother and they are wealthy then uh, you can't give it to them but you can give it to a poor person wa bani the family of hashim meaning the sayyids uh, the family of the Prophet they are, they cannot accept zakat because as i mentioned zakat is the uh, is basically dirt of a person's wealth that he needs to purify and this is not appropriate for those who are the family of the Prophet ﷺ, even if they're poor although some scholars said that because you see for the family of the Prophet ﷺ, there was another source of income in the times of battle that from the booty that came there was a share that was allotted for the Prophet ﷺ but so, when that stopped or when that wasn't so ongoing as it used to be some of the ulama like Imam Tahawi and others have actually said that it's okay to give to the Sayyids now. But that's just their opinion. It's not the opinion of the majority. That's so why it says here, وَاخْتَارَ التَّحَاوِيُ جَوَازَ دَفْئِهَا لِبَنِي هَاشِمٍ <laughs> Imam Tahawi, who was a uh, mujtahid in a sense in the Hanafi school, he said, his opinion was that it's permissible. Okay. Now giving zakat, you cannot give it to... Anybody in your family, vertically, you can give it horizontally, right? That's the easy way to remember. You can't give it to it vert uh, to anybody vertically, which means you can't give to your father or mother or grandparents and above. Likewise, you can't give to your son or daughter and below, grandchildren, right? Because they are in your care; they're your responsibility anyway. So it's like you're giving yourself. And there's a hadith in regards to the children li لِأَبِيكَ The Prophet ﷺ said, you and your wealth is your father's. So that's why if a father takes wealth from his son, he's not liable. In fact, if a father kills his son, I'm not sure about this, but I think the penalty is not as severe as killing somebody else. Just because of that doubt. Um, You can give vertically, uh, sorry, horizontally, which means you can give to your brothers and sisters and their children, and your cousins, and your uncles, you can give that way. In fact, it is better to to give the closest from your family of those permissible to give, than to give the ones who are further off to give to uh, a janib, to give to uh, strangers. All right? So the most reward you'll get, because you'll get the reward of giving to a relative, you'll get the reward of giving zakat. you'll also get the reward of doing silatul raham, which means tying the knots of kinship. A man cannot give to his wife. Uh, however, I always get mixed up in this, whether the wife can give to the husband, there's two opinions about this. Let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me look at that. But a man cannot give to his wife, Okay, according to Imam Abu Hanifa, it's not permissible for the wife to give to the husband. But it is permissible for the wife to give to the husband according to the Sahibain, according to Imam Abu Yusuf, Imam Muhammad. Meaning if the wife is wealthy, she has over a quantum and the the husband can't keep a job or anything, and he's not wealthy, right? She can give him according to the Sahibain. Now, I'm going to check which is the most superior opinion or which one the fatwa is on. I've never run into that situation, so I've never tried to find out. But I'll, 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 look for that, inshallah. The reason a man cannot give to his wife is because she's his responsibility. He has to pay for her anyway, so why should he be giving her zakat? <laughs> then it's about slaves and everything, and, and you can't give to the shroud of a may- uh, for the, for the shroud of a deceased person because there's nobody. You're making a possessor in that case. Wa likewise, you can't pay off the debt of a deceased person with the zakat money because he cannot become the possessor. When he's alive, you can give it to him to pay off his debts but not after he's dead. This is about slaves. Now the next issue here is that if you give zakat to someone, then it turns out that they were either wealthy or they were some grandchild of yours or they were a Sayyid family of the Prophet sallallahu or they were non-Muslim now what do you do in that case it says khulasa. if you did your best to discern the eligibility and you were uh, what do you call it you still um, what do you call it came to this conclusion despite you trying your best to find out then it would be discharged. But if you hadn't really tried and you just thought it was eligible and you just gave it over and then you discovered afterwards, you have to, uh, your zakat is not paid. The person who received the zakat, not always do they find out that it's zakat money because you don't always say it's zakat. You could say it's a gift or a loan. If they discover it's zakat but they, they know they're not eligible, they should give it back. Okay, they should give it back. It's not permissible for them to use it. Unless you tried your best and then it still turned out that... Actually, we'll leave that issue. The next part is important. How much money can you give to someone as zakat? Can you give them thousands of dollars? It says it's makru to give someone so much zakat that after him paying off his debts and fees and you know, liabilities and whatever he has, he's left with enough for it, to be a nisab himself, uh, for it to be a nisab for him. So after he pays off his debts and everything, if he still has 140 or so dollars left, it's makru to give that much amount to someone. Now there's a lot of issues that come nowadays. 140 dollars is not a lot of money nowadays. Right? So what do you do in this situation? There's a few things you can do. If it's a single person, it's more difficult, but if it's a family, it's easier. If it's a family, and the father is poor, then naturally the children, the younger children will be poor. You can give a family so much money that if it was to be distributed among all the heads of the family then it would not be any sub for each person. So there's more of a flexibility in giving to a family. So you could give you know five people in the family so five times a hundred dollars for example five hundred dollars or whatever. Right? You can even give more than that if they owe debts so that even after fulfilling their debts if it was less than a hundred fifty dollars per person it would be okay. If it's for someone who has to pay school fees which run into $1,000, $2,000 then you can pay directly for the school fees because that's like a debt that is owed immediately. If it's like yes to pay every month then you can maybe pay for this month and then pay for the next month afterwards or pay for in advance for him. Although it's probably better to pay as it becomes due. If it's a poor person in a third world country, You have to make your, he needs a house, doesn't have any money. Now, one is that you can give him lots of money, right, more than a nisab, but he's not going to be able to build a house immediately, so he's going to have money. So it's, it's probably better to uh, give him money in stages, so then as, as the money becomes due of the different stages of expenses in the house, then he pays off that much. Or you can actually contract someone to build a house, with zakat money and then give it as a hadiah as a gift to the poor person so the main thing that has to be avoided is that after he pays off whatever he has to pay off he should not be left with a nisab that's basically what it is it's makruh. it's not that it's impermissible completely that it won't be valid but it's makruh, so it should be avoided that's what he talks about in the next section uh, وَنَدَبَ <laughs> him, It's mustahab to give him enough that he doesn't need to ask anymore to anybody else. You know, about a hundred dollars. Some people will always ask. Now, the question that comes here is, what is the ruling of asking? When is it permissible to ask someone? Allah ibn Abi and others say that it's only permissible to ask. It's not good to ask in any case, but the only time it's permissible to ask is when you don't have enough for your day's needs, for one day's needs. If you have enough food for today and clothing and shelter for today, it's not permissible for us for tomorrow until tomorrow comes and you don't have it tomorrow. And it says that that, it's not permissible for that person to ask, and it's not permissible for anybody to give such a person who they know has his needs for that day, even if he asks. If he gives, it will be accepted, right? but it's not permissible, it's makru to do so. Because you're helping him to beg. You're assisting him in begging. It's best to give zakat in your own locality, unless you have relatives in other areas who are poor, then it's better to give them. But otherwise, the best people are your relatives, wherever they are, then those who are actually, uh, even among your relatives, those who live closer to you are more, than those who live further and then the people of your area you should give more than the people outside your area they're more, like, uh, they're more in need unless there's a severe need in other areas and there's not as much need here then maybe you can split it 80 20 percent or whatever something of that nature and then it's good to give to the ahwaj to the most needy wa awra then out of the needy people the most uh, pious righteous people because then they'll spend the wealth in a better way. وَأَنْفَعْ Muslimin than in the most beneficial way for the Muslims. Muslimin bi بِتَعْلِيمٍ For example, the students, those who learn the knowledge to keep up the deen, that's one of the best venues to spend in. وَالْأَفْضَلْ صَرْفُهَا لِلْأَقْرَبِ فَالْأَقْرَبِ مِنْ كُلِ ذِي رَحْمٍ مَحْرَمٍ من مِنْهُ The best among the family is to spend it on the one who is closest to you in kin. Then those who are closer and then those who are after that. Then your neighbors. Then the people of your locality. Then the people of your profession. Because you know you need a baradari as I say in Urdu, right? You know you need a this kind of uh, what's the word in English? Okay, fraternity or uh, camaraderie. Cam camaraderie. Your comrades. Uh, huh? <laughs> unions <laughs> right so because you need that kind of bond between them so it's good to help them out because your industry thrives them and lives li لِأَهْلِ baldati <بَلدَتِي> then the people of your country so as you notice that the sharia has taken a form of positive nationalism in a sense it's not completely wrong it's only wrong when you do injustice that's what the hadith says so it's okay to love your people and to defend them but it's only wrong when it leads to injustice and when you're doing it unrightfully according to some of the shiug, they say in terms of the barakah and the reward aspect the sadaqah of a person will not be accepted if he has people in his own family who are in need and he doesn't fulfill their needs first then he gives it to other people so that's talking about invest i mean it would be valid it would be discharged but it's not best to do that